0: Heavenly Father, once again, we're seeking You. We want to be overcomers through Your Word, through the principles that You've given us. We pray for Your presence and Your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. You know, one of the things to think about is, uh, if you were going to... I was just talking uh, after the last session with someone, and if if you were to go to battle, if you were going to go to war, and imagine your enemy was extremely powerful... And you are told if you put on certain armor, you'll win the battle. And you think, no, I'm pretty tough. I'll bet I could take him on with my fists. Almost nobody would do that if you knew that there were certain things, there were certain armor that would make at least a battle easier, right? Maybe it isn't invincible armor, but it's armor that makes the battle easier. Probably if you were going to battle and someone told you this will make fighting much, much easier, you would probably want to do it. And that's some of the principles that we're going to be looking at through health and through science are principles that they don't guarantee the victory, but they make the victory easier. They make it easier, so we're gonna be talking about that. Quick review, we saw this at the end of our last message and then we'll press forward right after that. Robert Sapolsky, a neurobiologist at Stanford University has argued that the main job of the prefrontal cortex is to bias the brain or to lead the brain and therefore you toward doing the harder thing. When it's easier to stay on the couch, your prefrontal cortex makes you want to get up and exercise. And when it's easier to put off that project until tomorrow, it's your prefrontal cortex that helps you open the file and make progress anyway. So the frontal lobe uh, kind of encourages you to do the harder thing. And we discussed that the harder thing is many times the better thing, right? Meaning, yeah, I'd rather sleep in and, and um, I don't know, not go to work or whatever. But in reality, if you do that long enough, sooner or later you have problems in your life. So doing the harder thing helps in the end. It makes it better in the end. And we saw that Jesus, he chose to follow his conscience. He chose to follow the Holy Spirit. He chose to follow the Father's will in all things. Jesus said, I can of mine own self, in John chapter 5, verse 30, I can of mine own self do nothing. We think he does it because it's easy. Yeah, if I were God, I could overcome temptation too, right? Sometimes we think that way. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. You think, what do you mean? You're God. You can speak things into existence. He could have. But when he became a human, he had to make decisions just like you do. Just like I do. And that was trusting in the Heavenly Father. And that's why he said, uh, John 5:30, I can of mine own self do nothing, as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which has sent me. So Jesus had to have all of his power from an outside source, and he would do the difficult thing. It would be difficult not to eat for 40 days, right? But he did that in order to gain victory over appetite, right? to find victory over that and if he could gain victory over appetite he would be enabled to find victory in any other area of life And so jesus did the harder thing and we saw in our last message that one peter four verse one and two says for as much then as christ has suffered for us in the flesh arm yourselves likewise with the same mind so jesus suffered in the flesh if we're gonna overcome temptation it will cause suffering there will be difficulty to overcome temptation it will will suffer on the inside but it brings about peace and joy when through God's strength we overcome. So we need to arm ourselves with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased or stopped sinning. So when you suffer in the flesh, when you go through that, you can cease from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but unto God. Now we're gonna press forward for a little little bit. And I'm gonna show you something very interesting. I read this book recently called Spark, The Revolutionary New Science of Exercise in the Brain. and had some very interesting things in it. This is, this, these things can be applied to other things, not just smoking. But in particular, this, this statement was about smoking. In smokers, just five minutes of intense exercise can be beneficial. Exercise first fights the urge to smoke because in addition to, sm- to smoothly increasing dopamine, when you exercise vigorously, it increases your dopamine, and that's kind of your feel-good chemical in your body, one of them anyway. So, you feel better when you vigorously exercise. Um, You may get sore, but after a while you get used to that. So, so exercise fights the urge to smoke. In addition to smoothly increasing dopamine, it also lowers, notice what vigorous exercise does. It lowers anxiety, tension, and stress levels. The fact that exercise sharpens thinking comes into play here. Because one of the withdrawal symptoms of nicotine is impaired focus. So exercise actually sharpens your thinking skills. When, if you struggle with paying attention, vigorous exercise actually helps. Now, I've heard it said some people say, Well, we're told that, uh, you know, that, uh, what is it? That, that walking is the most important exercise. And I looked it up, and it's walking is the most important exercise for invalids. So exercising, walking is extremely important. But many of us are not invalids, right? So many of us young people, she also talks specifically about needing vigorous exercise. And I don't know about you, but a gingerly walk doesn't add up to vigorous exercise for me. Now, if you're out of shape, maybe all you can do is walk, and that's wonderful. Start there. Do your best with that. But there's something that science is discovering that your brain actually strengthens by exercise. Your critical thinking skills, your focus can be sharpened by getting vigorous exercise. Very important. So so when somebody's trying to quit smoking or actually when somebody's trying to overcome any temptation, one of the things you want is a sharp mind and in order to have a sharp mind one of the things you want to do is learn to have vigorous exercise vigorous exercise now once again if you are sick don't try to overdo it make sure with your doctor that you can handle such a thing don't we're not we're not encouraging people to hurt themselves notice what we go on to read uh, researchers found that exercise dramatically reduced withdrawal symptoms in the exercise and morphine group when they cut off the drugs. So if somebody's trying to get off of drugs, and I, I don't imagine you're all trying to get off of drugs, but if, you're trying, if someone's getting, trying to get off of drugs, um, exercise, good exercise will actually help with the withdrawal symptoms. Now, Fadi is going to come up, and she's going to tell us about Nurse Patricia, a lady who had a frontal, she chose to have a frontal lobotomy
1: okay so nurse Patricia um, she struggled with depression and she hoped that a frontal lobotomy would uh, help her with her guilt and that's pretty much like you saw Phineas Gage in uh, earlier session where the frontal lobe was destroyed and his character changed right and she was hoping that you know destroying the frontal lobe would help her with her guilt because remember Where you think about things and struggle with things is in the frontal lobe. And so she just didn't want to think about stuff anymore. And that's not how we deal with our problems, right? Because remember, destroying the frontal lobe is not going to help you with your problems. Because some people drink their way into destroying their frontal lobe. Some people do it with other things, right? So that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for a way to deal with our problems and with our guilt. Um, Guilt can be a blessing... Uh, for those who don't realize that there's some people who their frontal lobe is so damaged. They don't have any guilt And then you have no way of feeling for God, right? You don't have a desire. You don't have a, um, a Need right so no this is not a way to deal with it, but what happened to her let's find out Before the surgical procedure she was an extremely efficient operating room nurse and she enjoyed reading books So she was extremely efficient and she enjoyed reading books. What happened to her afterwards? She lost much of her ambition. She lost sympathy and interest in her work as a nurse, Uh, lost interest in books. And you'd hear her saying things like, I don't care if I make a mistake, it'll turn out all right in the end. Is that how you would want to hear an OR nurse speaking? No, No, you don't. You want her to be extremely efficient, right? And you want her to to, uh, enjoy her work. And yet you see that she lost interest in reading. And that's when you're reading, one of the places that you're thinking about words is in the frontal lobe. It's where you're contemplating things. So yes, we don't want to lose our frontal lobe. But again, this teaches us a lot about the frontal lobe, the difference between her character before and after the procedure. And we already discussed that it teaches us that um, the frontal lobe is a seat of spirituality, morality, and the will where you make your decisions, where you know the difference between right and wrong, so on and so forth. Now, in the first session, we talked about doing a modified fast cleanse. And normally when we do this with people, we're doing it every day. You know, we meet every night for five or six nights a week and we're working through the whole process together. People come back and, oh, how did it go? And we talk about how it went and what they felt like and what they could change, so on and so forth. Since we're only working this weekend, uh, you can just take notes. And I forgot to tell you there are handouts for each session, so, so they're right. You can grab it, it on your
2: season.
1: way out. And um, so the first day we said you do uh, for those that are not diabetics and uh, heavy alcoholics and drug addicts, you you would do the f- 100% fruit juices, fruit and water for the first day. Then the second day, what we ask you to add is veggies. And why veggies? Uh, They are cleansing for the blood. You realize in Genesis that um, when God gave the diet for Adam and Eve, what did he have them eat? Fruits, fruits, nuts, and grains. Right. Fruits, nuts, and grains, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Then in Genesis chapter 3, sin comes in. And what does he add to the diet when sin came in? Greens, greens right? He added the herbs of the fields. He added the greens. What is in greens that we needed it right after sin came in? Uh, there's a lot of things. We're learning more and more about the antioxidant um, effects of, of these, of these uh, veggies and things like that. Chlorophyll, for example, has a lot of nutrients in it. And it's very similar to our blood composition. And so interestingly enough, when sin started to pollute our blood, God gave us a remedy right away to cleanse our blood. So I encourage you to increase uh, your veggies in your diet. I know that's the hardest thing for a lot of people. Uh, Maybe some of the ladies are shaking their heads and saying, no, maybe it's a guy thing. I don't know. Um, Because I I know guys usually like more fruit, right? At least that's normally how I hear it. Anyway, but it's so important that we increase our veggies. You cannot live off of just fruit. But you know, in famines, have you ever heard how people It amazes you that they lived off of uh, potatoes? Isn't that interesting? You'll hear, oh, they had a famine, and then all they lived off of was potato done this way and that way and the other way, and they made it. You can't do that with fruit you can with veggies there are things in these vegetables that God has given us to sustain life and the more we eat of them the better it is Uh, so that's day number two what you add to the diet and then each day like I told you we will tell you what you're supposed to add but I have a question when it comes to cravings how long do you think the average craving lasts or if you're feeling tempted in some way how long do you think it usually lasts anyone have a guess 10 minutes. Anyone else want to guess? It's okay if you're wrong. 3 minutes. 3? Okay. Anywhere from 30 seconds to 3 minutes. Pretty good. So anywhere from 30 seconds to 3 minutes. So, it's really not that long, is it? But when you're going through something, doesn't it feel like it's going to be forever? Right? You just think it's it's like, "Ah, I can't get through this." But most of us can turn our minds to something else within that time can we not and what were some of the things that we said you could do exercise exercise, so get up and walk drink water water. what was another thing claiming God's promises and speaking to him on bottom and what was another one Deep deep breathing you got it so these things they sound very like really is that gonna help me but it's tried and true methods And as you do these things, they become a normal part of your everyday life. You start breathing better, you're drinking more water, you're getting exercise, you're spending time talking to God about these things. Instead of turning to your addiction, to your normal pattern of thinking, instead of turning to all that, you're turning to God in that time of need. So there are traps, though, right? There are things that trap us into... Our uh, addictions, our way of thinking, our uh, temptations, there are traps all around us. We live in this world filled with traps. But with um, that said, there are some things that are more universally understood as things that hinder us from growing, okay? You'll understand as I explain it in just a little bit what I mean by that. One of the things that are considered a major trap is caffeine and I know some people may think like are you serious caffeine yes it is it is considered a gateway drug Uh, it is a drug and it a lot of people for example if you're trying to quit smoking if you don't give up the caffeine studies show that you most likely will go back to the cigarettes and it's so true about other things remember we talked about one of the things that you can do for when you're have a craving or you're tempted is to get up and walk. God gave us a natural way to stimulate our blood. He gave us a way to get up and move the, the, the blood and circulate it, and that's our natural stimulant. But because we become such a sedentary, we have such a sedentary lifestyle, we artificially stimulate our blood through the foods we eat, mm-hmm. through the things we drink, through the drugs we take, through the things we watch, because we don't feel alive and we need to have that feeling of being alive. We need that dopamine and we need all those endorphins that God has given us, but it's dangerous to have that blood, that heart pumping so hard when you're just sitting. Your muscles should be doing that for you, not your, your heart just sitting there through drugs and, and stimulating foods and all of that. It's, it's the muscles that were meant to stimulate the heart in that way. But when you do it the other way, then you release the stress hormones, you release all these things that are uh, destroying the body instead of helping it. But um, I'll, I'll let you watch this little clip here from the news about caffeine. This is really interesting.
0: As you likely know, we've reported often here on World News about the powerful effects of coffee and the growing body of research telling us in the right amounts, it can help us focus better and even fend off some disease later in life. But we ask tonight, what is it really doing to our brains? ABC's Lisa Stark with her own MRIs before and after.
2: It's the most popular drug in the world. I need that little um, boost. It's everywhere from 320 milligrams in a Starbucks cafe grande, about the max you should have in a day, to energy drinks, to sodas, now even inhalable 100 milligrams in an instant. But could that daily dose of caffeine be changing your brain? We turned to researchers at Wake Forest in North Carolina, where I underwent two MRI brain scans. This first scan with no caffeine in my system. Then I downed just one drink. Now my second MRI. This was my brain before caffeine. This was after. The difference was remarkable.
0: It's like a forty percent drop in the blood flow to your brain. So that's a lot.
2: So before caffeine, with caffeine, the blood flow to my brain dropped Went down about forty. Forty percent. Forty percent. Really? Yes. Why the drop? Caffeine blocks a chemical called adenosine, which controls blood flow to the brain. Add caffeine, blood vessels constrict, less blood circulates in the brain. And your blood pressure and heart rate go up. So if you skip your regular coffee, that surging blood can trigger a caffeine headache.
0: It's like trying to get a fire hose to pump blood up through your skull.
2: If you're a caffeine lover, your brain has actually changed. It now functions normally on caffeine. How much caffeine do I have to drink to change the physiology of my Uh, brain? Not very much. Not very much? Like even a cup cup a day? one cup a day will change your brain. The good news, experts say for healthy adults, a few cups a day is not dangerous. But keep in mind, a little caffeine can do a lot. Lisa Stark, ABC News, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I love that
1: reversal. Yes, don't you love it? <laughs> it's okay. Did you hear the contradiction from yeah, the beginning yeah. to the middle to the end? Yeah. It's called, I don't want to get sued, yeah. you know? So, you, you always have to do that on television. You always have to cover your tracks and, and well, just, just let you know, you know, it's okay if you drink caffeine, but it'll change your brain, you know? So, um, interesting. I'm sure it is.
0: Probably. Somebody gave it to me and they got it online, so it's there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? It's ABC. Was it ABC? Mm -hmm. Probably,
1: yeah. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, just very interesting, huh, that um, just a little bit of caffeine one cup did all that to a lady before and after. Did what? Oh, sorry, decreased the blood flow to her brain by that, by 40%. that's That's what the doctor said right there. Um, So I just thought that was really interesting and wanted to share that because we've been talking about the brain, right? And where do you make your decisions? In the brain. So if you're not getting the blood flow, do you think that that coffee, that caffeine, is affecting your decision-making? I would say yes. I'd say yes. Perfect
0: circulation?
1: Yeah, perfect circulation equals perfect health. And if you're not getting perfect circulation to your brain, you're not having perfect health. And um, we just say these things to encourage people. It can be very addictive. A lot of people tell me, "But Fadi, I feel like I have so much energy when I drink it." Well, it's not really energy. You're actually zapping your body of its reserves. It's what it does is it um, turns off the fatigue light. That's what she's talking about. The adenosine. You are like if you're driving down the road and your your light comes on in your car and telling you you have to fix something it's kinda like breaking it and then you just keep going sooner or later the car's gonna break down right mm-hmm. and the warning signs aren't there and it's the same thing you're you're, you're um, breaking that fatigue light and telling it I'm just gonna keep going because like I said you are getting that heart to pump for you through a stimulant and you feel when well, you know when your heart pumps what do you feel like you, you feel like, oh, I got energy, but you don't really because the rest of your body hasn't done anything. It's all the heart working so hard to get that pump, um, the blood flowing. All right, what other traps can there be? There can be a favorite chair. What do I mean by that? You know, there's certain places, our, our little comfort zones, um, or the place where we know we fall into temptation. And sometimes we end up there and we think we can handle it and we can't. Uh, Some people, and I always pick on smoking because it's an easy one, but some people after a meal, that's when they really um, feel like having a smoke. Uh, When they get off work, they get in the car, that's where they feel like having a smoke. Identify that place for yourself. When you slip up and fall, don't just beat yourself up and say, okay, I'm, I'm gonna give up. Learn from those situations identify where is it that I slip up more? Who am I hanging out with? Uh, what, what was going on before? Did I get enough sleep the night before? Have I been eating well? So on and so forth. Don't give up. Keep going forward and learn from your situation instead of beating yourself up about it. Um, another thing is sugar. Uh, sugar zaps your brain and uh, um, of of the thinking power here it says too much sugar may cause brain decay it is well known that too much sugar causes tooth decay but might it also cause brain decay recent research suggests that it just might with the growing epidemic of obesity in the US the number of people with diabetes is also increasing diabetes is due to the body's inability to maintain a constant level of sugar in the blood as it should Over time, this results in problems in many parts of the body including the kidneys, heart, muscles, nerves and brain. People with diabetes are more likely to have a heart attack or stroke at a younger age. In addition, they may be at a greater risk for a decline in mental function, that's brain decay or dementia. Fortunately, improving eating habits and avoiding excessive weight gain may prevent many cases of diabetes. Now diabetes is not just caused by sugar, it's also caused by a high fat diet more and more research is showing that it's um, more to do with that than even with sugar. And um, so it's just important to have a balanced diet. You realize also when you have a lot of sugar, what happens to you after a while? You get a a low, right? Because the sugar gives you a spike in your blood sugar, but then you go way down too and, and you crash. And when you crash, that's when you get like that depressive feeling and um, you're down. So important especially for those that are brain workers, you'll see in just a little bit what we're gonna, no, not this session, the next session. We're gonna talk about nutrition more and how brain workers really need to be careful with their sugar consumption. You might
0: focus, but, and I know you're recording, but how much sugar, I mean, sugars in everything, soy
1: milk and... You know, I think each person knows for themselves how they feel, you know? I don't know the exact amount of sugar that each person should have. I can tell you...
0: We do have a video of a doctor, Um, we'll have to see, maybe we'll...
1: We'll see if we have time for it. We do have a video, about uh, quite a long video about a doctor that talks about the toxicity of sugar. So, um, yeah, but I wouldn't know. I have a friend who's very smart. And if she has just a little bit of sugar, it's so toxic to her, extremely toxic to her her brain, she gets depressed immediately, she gets sick, Whereas somebody else could eat a lot more than that and not have any problem. So each of us has to realize you know, and we should eat things closer to nature you know, um, in their right form, instead of the concentrated form. Also, keeping it around. What do I mean by that? You know, some things, it could be a substance, it could be an object, it could be whatever it is. Uh, it could be candy, whatever it is that you're dealing with, right? Um, don't keep it around. Why is that? Because you're making it an option. Let's say you're saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this up, whatever, but just in case this doesn't work out for me, I have a backup plan. You don't want that option. You want, in your mind, you want to make it clear, cut. I'm done with it. I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to throw those things out, whether it's be CDs, DVDs, magazines, whatever it is that reminds you of that, or certain friends. If we can't handle it, I know. Um, I grew up in Chicago, and going in the city, a friend of mine here could tell you the same thing. It's tough growing up in the city. We grew up in the around the same area. And the the friends that you hang out with, there was a time there where I wanted to turn around, I wanted to follow the Lord, but my friends kept calling me back into the city, and you know how the city, it's a lot of fun, whatever, and I'd slip and fall. So finally, these friends that I had grown up with, I had to say, I'm done. Can't hang out with them for the time being. Until the Lord really did a reformation in my life, turned me around, and now I can be around them and be an influence instead of them influencing me and we just need to realize that you're not telling them i'm cutting you off because you're wicked and evil and i hate you and you're you know that's not the mentality it's i just can't handle it and i don't want to go down that route anymore remember one morning waking up and thinking i just turned my back on my best friend jesus and i hate this feeling i don't like it and, and it was just like a turnaround in my mind. I was like, I can't. He has to be number one in my life. I can't keep doing this. And the Lord can give us that. And we're not, we don't have to be mean to people. And sometimes those people just not hang out with you anymore either because they, you don't want to do the things they want to do anymore, right? Anyway, but about keeping things around, Philippians, I mean, Romans 13, verse 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and do what? Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The flesh is weak, right? God knows that. And so he's warning us. He says, your flesh is weak. Don't make provision for it. Don't put yourself in the way of harm and then think you can handle it, mm-hmm. right? Oh, I think I'm strong enough. No, we're not strong enough. We, we, uh, we're weak and God understands that and he's giving us warnings and he also gives us the strength to move forward. But what other traps? Some things aren't all substances, right? Um, Some other traps could be a stressful place or a situation. okay, Where you get stressed out because of whatever it could be. It could be at home, it could be at work. You know what it is, it could be at school. Um, Also a particular person could be a trap for us, like I was just saying. But they could also cause us a lot of pain and suffering. and we'll talk about a little bit more about that later. Also, a repetitive memory. Some of us have been plagued. Maybe we've had abuse in our, in our past, whether it be sexual, physical, um, whatever, mental abuse that we've had. And the, the, um, we go over and over in our heads, right? The, the trauma keeps coming to our heads. And, and we, we run it through and run it through. And we have flashbacks and we see it. I used to um, cringe like this whenever I'd have flashbacks. And every time I'd, I'd have it, I'd, I'd do like this. I don't do that anymore by God's grace. Amen? So God can give us victory over this. But we're going to talk about what you can do in those repetitive memories and how you can turn the mind to a better thing, which is God. Well, what can we do in, in the immediate when you're trying to overcome? Like we said over and over, these are the things that are very helpful. And they sound so small, but they're, they're, um, they're very helpful. Drink your water, do the walking, do the bre- deep breathing accurately. There's a lady in, um, in one of the southern states, and she she uh, was going out to her post office box, and it was a long ways, it was out in the country, and she started to get back pain, and then she remembered, oh, they told me about you know breathing accurately. Maybe I should start doing that. And as she started doing that, by the time she got to the end, the back pain was relieved. And that doesn't mean all your back pain is going to go away, but what do they teach women who are going through labor about? Right? Breathe breathe. The breathing. They teach you to breathe because you need that ad- adequate oxygen to your muscles so they can function properly. So there is, there is some truth in that. I'm not talking about every single pain and ache you have is going to be re- remedied this way, but it's helpful for a lot of things. And also claiming God's promises. And we'll, we'll continue to keep talking about that in... Um, the next sessions. But if you're going through some withdrawals some things that you might expect to happen are things like headaches, right? When you remove a stimulant you're gonna have headaches, not for sure, but some people have headaches so just wanting to warn you and what can you do about that? You can use water inside and out, right? We talked about how it's important to be hydrated helps so much with the brain but also you could do hydrotherapy. Those that are trying to give up caffeine in the morning, they say, oh, I can't wake up without the caffeine. Has anyone tried a um, hot, cold shower? I knew people starting to laugh. Have you guys tried it? It's really good, huh? What you do is after you have your shower, your hot shower, in the end, you do um, like one minute of hot, 30 seconds cold, One minute hot, 30 seconds cold, one minute hot, 30 seconds cold, and you end with a cold. And you're like moving around in there, and you're (sighs) When that cold hits your chest, you're just like (sighs) And it gets you to really uh, breathe deeply, and you feel invigorated. You see the blood circulating, you know, that you start getting red. That's like the blood is circulating, You're, you're stimulating yourself naturally and you're moving around and you feel invigorated and that gives you that high that you need in the morning to get you going and it'll, it'll keep you going. Um, another thing is uh, if you have a headache and, and you try drinking water and it's not going away, put your feet in hot water and put a cold, um, like have some ice water there and put the cold pack on your head and that constricts the blood vessels in the brain so the blood can go away from there and it, in the hot water on the feet dilates the blood vessels so the blood will pool down there and take the, the volume of blood away from the brains where the pressure is. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times just washing the dishes will do the same thing. If you have uh, the dishes are, and you have hot water it starts dilating the blood vessels in your hands and takes away the pressure. And getting up and moving around helps too. But you may just need someone to do a little massage because you're going to have neck tension, right? Irritability, what to do with irritability. Uh, B vitamins are really good for your nerves, so you might be deficient in them. You need to start taking some B vitamins. And um, also, we talked about claiming God's uh, promises in the Bible and praying to him, asking him to give you the peace uh, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Uh, over and over you're going to hear that here. One thing if anyone wants to know uh, for someone that's dealing with uh, cigarettes, just a, a good good uh, FYI, and the craving comes on, you can tell them to take some vitamin C and one of the best ways is taking like a shot of um, lemon juice right away and the vitamin C helps get rid of the nicotine faster and when the craving comes it's just for some reason really helps them for some people. How about lethargy? You're feeling really tired what do you do? What do you think you should do? Get up and go for a walk. It seems like oh I feel tired I should go to sleep. It's better to get the blood circulating and go out and get walking, get walking, get walking. Don't these all sound really simple? Right? But they work when you do them all together. It sounds very simple, but they work. Um, Do you do this part? Okay, um, you know how they have New Start? We have our own form of it, but we call it Overcomer. (laughs) So, uh, O is for open air. V is for victory in Jesus. E is for exercise, R is for rest, C is for control, and O is for outlook or optimism. But that's an added one. We added that because we have an extra letter in the overcomer.
0: Because you can follow the eight laws of health and be a grumpy, angry, nasty person. So being (laughs) optimistic along the way also
1: helps. And then um, M is for moisture inside and out. uh, E E is for eat nutritiously and then R is for radiant sun so that's our form of new star (laughs) anyway um, and then also like we said the way to overcome cravings is through these things but I just put in the last one about Bible promises and prayer because water doesn't save you, walking doesn't save you breathing doesn't save you, it's a connection with God you might for a while be able to do these things and you're seeing the victory, but when problems start coming in, when things just happen that you weren't expecting, where do you turn? You don't turn to the water. You don't turn to these things. You turn to God and you talk to him about your problems. You, tell, you claim the promises. You, you open your heart as to a friend. Um, I've had some tragedies in my life that you'll hear later, but what kept me going is actually my friends not knowing how to deal with my problems and how to help me, had me turn to my only friend that I had left, at least that I could open up to. I shouldn't say had left, it's not like I left my other friends, I still have them to this day, but he was there to hear my every cry and I could pour out my heart where others wouldn't understand. And that's where your problems will be solved, only through that, and I know it just all sounds like so cliche, but it works, it's, it's, it's true. Now Chad's going to come up and ask us some, uh, some other questions.
0: All right. Just a minute. Yeah, oh, sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Well, some questions. Now, the first one is kind of a simple question. Where do you want to be in 10 years? Now, that, that question for different people here will have a different answers. And each of us, meaning some are younger, some are older, and... Ten years is very different for someone quite young. You know, eleven. You were eleven. How old are you? Nine. Nine. So I mean, in ten years, 19, 21, But some, but some of us, the, the rest of us, will be you know different ages, whatever that would be. And so, where do you want to be in ten years? Now, as a nine-year-old, you you may not have to worry about that right now. But meaning for the rest of us, we need to start thinking about that, right? <laughs> but he could But you could think about it too. You could do that. Or what Bible verses you want to have memorized, or whatever. Meaning, like, you can have wonderful things now also. But for, in these decisions, where do I want to be in 10 years? For some of us, meaning someone may be overweight and they think, I don't want to have a heart attack in 10 years, right? Literally. And I don't say that to be funny. I say that legitimately. If someone's seriously overweight, they may not make it 10 years. You're right? You you understand? So, many times, see... Bad habits, one of the common, commonalities of bad habits is only thinking about the present tense of life, right? What feels good to me now? You understand? Meaning any sin you struggle with typically has to do with I want something now. If it's a drug, if it's a cigarette, if it's something immoral that you look at on the Internet and then you feel guilty in the end. The point being, whatever it is, it has to do with Instant gratification, you understand, but the Bible perspective is that we should live a life of delayed gratification. Does that make sense? That our happiness comes as a result of being faithful to principles and being faithful to Jesus, and ultimately gives us the greatest happiness. Does this make sense? So, thinking of your future, where do I want to be in ten years? And then, if you if you want if you think where would I want to be in ten years? Well, I want to be more connected to jesus than i am today i want to be and if you're already in good shape i want to continue my the shape that i mean i mean if you're older obviously you get older i mean things you know bodies break down but still making good decisions even if we're older can keep our health at least as long as possible right and so we want to learn to look to the future and then we have to actually then also do what we have to make steps to accomplish that. So if I say, I want in 10 years, I want to lose 15 pounds, or at least I'd like to be 15 pounds lighter, or 30 pounds, or 50 pounds, or 100 pounds, or whatever it may be, then I need to begin, if I want that to happen, I need to begin to put in practices in my life that will get me to that point in 10 years, right? And so you can also ask yourself, what physical shape do you want to be in in 10 years? Now, the thing is, if you do not make a decision you have made a decision. Does that make sense? If you don't make a decision, you have made a decision. And uh, I've heard it said that in 10 years, this is just a saying, but in 10 years you will be the same person you are today, except for two things, the people you meet and the books you read. And I would say that, that in, in, gener- in, in generality that would be true. That you're going to be the same person you are today. If, if you're a person who just sits and watches TV or just wastes time on Facebook all the time, not that Facebook is innately bad. You can use it for good purposes. But, I mean, if you sit and waste hours a day, they've actually discovered that the more time you fen- spend on Facebook that you have higher levels of depression. Amen. Right? Because, you know, you're looking around at other people's lives and if you know... 300 people, and and somebody's always doing something fun, and guess what? You're not always doing something fun, and that's kind of depressing. But the fact is, they're not always doing something fun either, but it looks like everybody's always having fun because I just did this, and I just did that. And so the more time we spend on there, number one, we're not really interacting with people, LOL. I mean, we're not, you know, I mean, all these little things. We're not actually having true conversations with people, right? It's very shallow generally. So, my point isn't not never go on Facebook. The point is don't live your life on Facebook. Does that make sense? We're not being fanatical and saying Facebook is, you know, the enemy. No, it's not. But the point is, you know, learn to use things moderately, in moderation, right? So uh, one of the things I encourage people to do is to write a list of 10 things you would like to accomplish. Now, these are especially good if you're trying to overcome something. For instance, I mean, back to the easy one, cigarettes. Let's say you want to have a cigarette. Cigarettes and just any temptation have to do with instant gratification. And so, okay, I want a cigarette. I want to feel better for just a moment and feel worse afterward you don't think like that but if I say okay so, in, so I finish the meal and I want a cigarette but instead of that I pull out my list of ten things that I want to accomplish now some of those things could be long-term goals like maybe writing a book but some of them should be short-term goals like the bathroom needs to be cleaned right so that's one of my goals that's one of my goals so why do you feel how do you feel after you clean, let's, let's say you, you have kind of, maybe you're meticulous and everything's clean in your house, praise the Lord if you have that down. But if you're not that person, let's say your bathroom gets a bit messy. There's some clothes on the floor. It's kind of crusty around the you know, bowl of the you know, sink or whatever. And, and then you go in there and you clean the whole thing. You clean the whole bathroom. How do you feel about that? Yeah. You f- po- look <laughs> That's good. He said I posted it on Facebook, right? <laughs> my bathroom's clean, right? Literally. People do do stuff like that, don't they? <laughs> and but you you afterward you feel like, "Ooh, I just want to go wash my hands," right? You just want to be in the bathroom. You feel better about it, right? And so, meaning so doing something productive is actually much beneficial much better what that will do is it will help get your mind off the instant gratification to fulfilling things doing what we call the harder thing that we talked about earlier right doing the harder thing makes you feel better afterward doing the easy thing which is the cigarette gives it it feels good for a moment but it feels worse afterward this is the opposite it's doing something that may not be the funnest thing in the world it's not that bad but then you feel better about it afterward does that make sense so fulfilling goals and I, I believe if you if you write goals of things you want to accomplish, you'll be much more likely to accomplish things in life than if you don't. I'm not saying it's not a salvation issue, but I think it's you'll, you'll find that if you make a list, you'll be more likely to accomplish some of those things than if you don't make any decisions of things you'd like to do. So it can help you with getting a long-term focus, because the Christian life is a long-term focus, right? We are walking with the Savior into eternity. And so, letting go of a few pleasures, the passing pleasures of sin for a season, letting go of those for eternal life, right? Living the life Jesus has called us to live. Now, what's fascinating, fulfilling these things is helpful because we're actually told, I think it's in Patriarchs and Prophets, that idleness is the greatest curse that could fall upon a man. Idleness is the greatest curse that could fall upon a man or could come upon a man. Well, what does that mean? Think about it. When do we typically fall into temptation, Well, if you have anger, maybe it's when you talk to people. But a lot of times people's uh, temptations come when they're not really doing anything. Young kids hang out on the street and they find things to do. People hang out on the Internet and they find things to look at, right? Now, that doesn't mean you should never go on the Internet. The The point is when you're being idle and you're just wasting time, people many times get into things they shouldn't be doing. So if we're choosing and actually thinking, what would be some things I would like to accomplish in life? Think about it. Have you noticed that some people accomplish all kinds of things in their spiritual life, even in their physical life, and some people accomplish very little? Now, not all of us have the same mental capacity as the guy next door. But the fact is, if we made a diligent effort, we could, fulfill, we could do many things for the Lord in this life. But if we never set any goals, we may never accomplish any of them, right? And so, idleness is the greatest curse that could fall upon a man because we, we waste time, and we're actually told something like one of the, one of the gifts that we're going to be held accountable to more than any other thing is our use of time, right? So this is serious stuff, right? Now, we're going to talk about the scientific effects of stress now. Scientific effects of stress. Well... They did a study and they d- about two types of stress. The first kind of stress they talked about is what we call acute stress. What is that? That occurs when a threatening event appears and then is quickly resolved. Your body is well designed to handle acute stress, in fact, your body can even benefit from stress, much in the same way that exercise works. Acute stress can help you become stronger so you're better prepared physically for future emergencies. What, what's an example of that? I was uh, in, in the state of Illinois. We lived there for a bit. And I went for a jog. I like to get a lot. I, I love exercise. And so I was, going, I was going for a run, and this Rottweiler uh, was barking, and I looked to turn as I'm running, and he had a chain around his neck, and he did this little maneuver, and he pulled back like this, and I saw the chain fall off. And what does a dog do to a moving target? <laughs> you know, he ran after me. Well, I know not to run when a dog's coming after me, so I. St- Stopped and tried to act like I'm not afraid of a Rottweiler. But I'll be honest with you, I'm terrified of a Rottweiler that's running after me, right? And so, but I tried to act like I wasn't, and I said, stop, and tried to, you know, don't back up, and, arr, arr, you know, he's going crazy and whatnot. And so my heart, what happens, remember what we talked about during times of temptation, your heart rate increases, your blood pressure increases, and your breathing rate becomes more shallow and more rapid. Same thing happens when you're, when you're stressed, as when you're tempted. And so what happened is I'm yelling at the dog, praise the Lord, the uh, owner came out and grabbed the dog, and then I went for my run. And what we read, that's acute stress. The stressor comes on quickly, and then it also fades away very quickly also, and your body's well-designed to handle that. Meaning I wasn't going on for the next 12 hours thinking, there's a dog coming after me, there's a dog coming after me, right? Meaning I wasn't, it, it went away very quickly. But the second kind of stress is called chronic stress. And that happens when the event remains constantly on your mind and does not go away. This can harm you because your body has no recovery phase during which to rest and rebuild. The lack of downtime both depletes your body's reserves and postpones long-term rebuilding, which causes the premature deterioration of major organ systems, serious illness, and even death may result. So this chronic stress is maybe somebody hurt you or spoke negatively about you, and you think about it over and over and over and over and over, and, over and that becomes chronic stress. You have a, there's a, uh, what is it, a hormone cr- cortisol? Um, I don't know if it's a hormone or what it is, but it's a chemical or something that goes in your body, and it, and it literally destroys parts of your brain. It, it, it literally, your body is deteriorating when we live in a constant state of stress it actually destroys us and so stress is a good thing and a bad thing it can either be good the acute stress comes on it can actually increase your immune system we're gonna notice this they did another study with two with 30 volunteers and they did two experiments now the first group had to watch a 12-minute gruesome surgical procedure Now, if you're a doctor that's not stressful just another day at work, right? But for those of us who are not wa- used to watching bodies being cut open and blood and guts and all that stuff, it's kind of stressful for some of the rest of us, right? Well, that's the first group. Second group had to memorize information and take a 12 minute test. Is it somewhat stressful for you when you're being tested on your memory? For me it is, yeah, and most of us it is, and what were the results of these two different tests during the experiments, each person gave saliva samples that were analyzed for immune system components known as secretory proteins. These proteins help protect the lining of organs such as the lungs and stomach guarding against the invasion of bacteria and viruses while levels of secretory proteins increase during active stress, the immune system actually the immune response actually Dropped during passive stress. So what does that mean? So when you have passive stress, when you're just sitting there having to take in this stressful situation, your immune system actually drops. But when you're participating in active stress, meaning like preparing to take a test and taking the test, your immune system actually becomes stronger. You see? So there's active stress that is beneficial for your body, and passive stress, it actually hurts your body. Well, think about this. You know, maybe, maybe God's putting it on your heart. You need to go witness to that individual. Is that stressful for you generally? For me, it is. It's stressful. But if you actively go after what God says, guess what happens? Ding! Your immune system goes up, right? Now, what happens if you feel stressed, like, I've got to go talk to that guy? No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. What, did you, what have you just entered into? passive stress and how your immune system actually drops as a result of it i mean that's just an example you could there could be several different things that you could use as an illustration but the point is actively pursuing something like that actually is stressful to your body but it is it actually you know helps you out in the same situation so it says here perhaps stress is not the big bad thing everybody is thinking it is in fact most acute stressors boost the immune system only when the stress is unusually prolonged or repetitive it becomes a potential threat to the health. So it's only when the stress is continually repetitive that it destroys your health. And so it it can be very unhealthy. Scientists are discovering that the mind and body are linked. Scientists are discovering that now, but the Bible has said it for thousands of years, right? A merry heart does good like a... Medicine, But a broken spirit dries the bones, right? You could talk about several different things, and we may get into that later. But the mind and the body are linked. Science is proving this. Certain emotions release hormones into the body that in turn can trigger the development of a host of diseases. Researchers have directly and scientifically linked emotions to hypertension, cardiovascular disease, and diseases related to the immune system. Studies have also highly correlated emotions with infections, allergies, and autoimmune diseases. So you see, your mental state, the things you choose to think about, can actually destroy your body. But on the contrary, having a peaceful mental state is like a medicine, right? So this is a very, very important. We go on to read. Specifically, researchers have linked emotions such as depression to an increased risk of developing cancer and heart disease. Very serious. Emotions such as anxiety and fear have shown a direct tie to heart palpitations, mitral valve prolapse, irritable bowel syndrome, and tension headaches, as well as other diseases. So do you see that our mental state can affect our body tremendously? So we want to learn to overcome these things. And the things, thing about anxiety, we saw earlier that, do you remember one thing that can help anxiety? Maybe I, what's that? Exercise. You remember? Yeah, exercise. Getting, they have found that vigorous exercise, like really getting your heart pumping. Now make sure with your doctor you can do that. If you're a young person, you're probably fine. Uh, but basically, vigorous exercise, going for a, for a serious you know, a run, or one of the ways to do it very good is, uh, is interval training where you would maybe go for a sprint for maybe, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 seconds, and then stop and walk. So, you, you, you know, you can learn more about it, but interval training, then you, then you sprint again, and then you walk. And then you sprint again, and then you walk. And so somebody told me they did it where they would, they would run along some telephone poles, and they would sprint from one telephone pole to the next, and they'd walk between the next, you know, one or two. And then they sprint again, and then they'd walk again. Doing that could actually really decrease your stress levels in your body. You'll wear out all your stress by, by that running. And so for some of us, myself included, I am a person, I, do, I, do, I don't do well at all without exercise. My wife can tell, I can tell. If you see me and I haven't gotten exercise, my leg is just shaking. I'm just shaking there, literally. And so then if I get regular vigorous exercise it helps me tremendously i'm much more at peace after that and so i feel so much better so if you struggle with temptation i bet you all do it it might be well for you if you're out of shape to just at least get some really good walking in and for for those who are in really good shape get some vigorous exercise it'll help calm your mind down help you be at ease and have much more peace so um yeah we just went through that let's go on chronic or prolonged stress can happen as a result of a past event that you continually keep on your mind hating your present life a lack of forgiveness we're gonna do a whole message on forgiveness Um, yeah and so and also unhealthy relationships if you're in an unhealthy relationship that can cause chronic stress. Now, if, God, if you're in a relationship with a girl or a guy that you shouldn't be with, I would just challenge you to get rid of that. If you're in a relationship you shouldn't be in, someone who is not of, of your faith, you should, you should not be in that relationship. You should, by God's grace, you can break free from that. It's going to cause pain and suffering later on, right? In your marriage, in your children's lives, put an end to that, right? Now, if you're married and you're in that situation, you may have to, you know, you have to live with it. And by God's grace, God may work through that. But don't expect that you can go into it head first knowing that now and say, oh, God will work it out later on. What's that? Did
1: it.
0: Yeah, it worked for so-and-so, but the majority of people it didn't work out well for, right? Very few it will work out for, but most of them it won't. And don't try to be the exception to the rule. Now... Talking about stress, two Vietnam soldiers, Vietnam veterans, they had both been imprisoned in uh, maybe it was Hanoi Hilton. I'm not sure which uh, they were, but they were imprisoned for, you know, in this in this conflict. And one of the soldiers asked the other soldier, they had both been imprisoned and now they were out of prison. One asked the other soldier, he said, have you forgiven your captors yet? And the other responded by saying, no, I will never forgive them. And the other then responded by saying, then I guess they still have you captive, don't they? Mm -hmm. And that's the truth. Somebody may have abused you as a child, and it doesn't mean what they did was okay. It's not okay. But God can give you victory, and we're going to talk about that later on, how God can give us the victory over that pain of the past. But if we hold on to that anger, we're in captivity ourselves. We're still struggling with that. Now... This is this is amazing. I was listening to an old old uh, Christian, who is a businessman, who also memorized tons of scripture, and he tells the story of uh, during the Korean conflict, the Korean War. Not sure why they always call that one the Korean conflict, but the Korean War. Uh, What's that? It
1: was a
0: police action. Okay, so we never actually declared war. Is that what it is? it was one of those wars that it's kind of like if you get in a fist fight but you don't call it a fist fight it's not a fist fight I guess not but sorry that was ridiculous forgive me never lie but um, uh, so never lie in the Korean conflict what they say is is that uh, gene war tells a story he was actually a soldier himself uh, but he was in World War two I believe but nevertheless gene gene war tells an interesting last name is war but he he tells the story of the fact that they did studies after the Korean conflict and discovered, to try to figure out what is it that made certain people crack under the stress of of the, you know, when they were taken custody and they were taken and put in a POW camp. What was it that some people would crack under the stress and some people, they, they didn't crack? And he said that there were two things that they discovered. Number one, those who did not crack had strong moral and religious convictions. And number two, the soldiers who did not crack were soldiers who had memorized Bible verses and would call them back to mind. Now, if soldiers in this difficult situation needed the Word of God to find victory, do you think maybe we need the Word of God in the warfare that we're living out today? Yes or no? The Word of God is so very important. So we need the Word of God on our minds and in our hearts. Now... We're going to close right there. We're we're going to come back and we're going to go into more science, um, more science and health and the Bible on how to gain victory. Uh, But that's, do we come back in 15 minutes? Yeah, okay, we're not done for the day. Let's pray and then we'll take a break. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you give us the victory. Bless us now as we go, as we take a break. Help us to get some maybe water and maybe even some sunshine for a little bit. Bless us in the name of Jesus. Amen.